Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast. We'll be bringing you a brand new episode every Tuesday morning, covering all the latest vegan news and chatting to some of the biggest names in veganism. Hello and welcome to episode two. I'm Holly Johnson and I'm joined today by co-host Gabriella Clark. Hi Holly, how are you? Hello, good thanks. Um, I think we need to start off the um, podcast today by saying a massive happy 30th birthday for tomorrow. Thank you, thank you very much. That's okay. So you've you've had a nice week away haven't you? I have. So we went on a little mini UK road trip um, to a couple of places in the UK that I have wanted to visit for a long time. Um, So we had a couple of nights in a beautiful yurt just outside of Glastonbury. Oh, lovely. It was amazing. And then we had a couple of nights in a little uh, camper type van in Cornwall so we visited a few beautiful Cornish seaside towns and harbours which was also wonderful and then we stayed in a cabin overlooking the sea in Lyme Regis in Dorset for a few nights and then spent a couple of nights with my parents before coming back. Oh that sounds perfect. Did you have any good vegan food whilst you were away? We had a week of amazing vegan food and drink and I was really surprised that even in some of the smaller towns that we went to there was amazing vegan options and sometimes when we go away you know you expect to be left with one dish on the menu to choose from but no we had amazing food and my boyfriend packed me a hamper to take into the yurt and in there was some vegan cheese from La Fomagerie. Oh, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if I pronounce that right. My no. uh, French pronunciation is not <laughs> excellent. Um, and it, the cheese was just amazing. That's one amazing. brand I haven't actually tried, so I'll have to get that in. I might treat myself some for Christmas, I think. Definitely. So I have had uh, the mouse's favourite cheese before. I don't know if you've heard of that brand. No, I've heard of that one. Um, they do a 
couple of vegan cheeses which are absolutely amazing um so they were always my front front runner but I was excited to try the chamembert from loaf and margerie as well and that was also excellent so it's nice to have a couple of good options on the vegan cheese front definitely (laughs) what was it made from Oh, I'm not sure. I'll have to check. Um, I ate it so quickly that I didn't <laughs> check what it was actually made from. Um, but it was delicious. I can tell you that much. Yeah. I'll have to check and update you next week. Yeah, thank you. It sounds really good. Okay, so should we kick off our news roundup for the week? Yes. Um, yes. So I thought we could start with what everybody's talking about. It's the fact that Flora Buttery will soon Mm. have dairy added back into it. So I'm kind of torn on this in a way. I sort of feel like, well, you know, fine, I'll just go with another brand. I just won't, you know, won't buy that um, particular product anymore. But then at the same time, it's it's kind of, I think they've sort of let let people down a bit, haven't they, by doing a U-turn. What do you think? Definitely. So, I mean, part of me is you know they're a business and they had consumer feedback that it didn't taste as good or they missed the taste of the buttermilk so they want it back and I get they're a business and they have targets to meet but I think I'd feel less sad about it if they hadn't made such a pledge a while back to really drive plant-based alternatives and what I found I thought was a real shame is their GM for the UK and Ireland arm has come out and said our overarching goal is to encourage everyone to adopt a plant-based diet well I think if that's your overarching goal it's very very contradictory to then actively add an animal ingredient into something that didn't have it yeah that doesn't yeah. really fit so well with me. No, and I think it will turn a lot of vegans off because I know that um, the other flora in the range is still vegan friendly, but I think a lot of vegans will think, well, I'll just, you know, there's plenty of other options now. Yeah, I wonder how much the increased sales that they expect from the consumers who want the taste of buttermilk will outweigh maybe those unhappy vegan customers yeah. who who don't want to buy a brand that would do that. I saw some of the tweets around the discussion where people were saying, well, you know, there's other brands like Violife and Vitalite that are great alternatives and happen to be cheaper. So I'll just go with them. Yeah, exactly. I I tried, I don't know why it's taken me three years to try this, but um, is it naturally? I think it's um, vegan butter, vegan block, which is incredible have you tried it it's brilliant so good I'm not sure that is a good thing though because I've been thickly spreading it on toast and bread all weekend (laughs) that's nothing but a good thing in my eyes (laughs) yeah I might just have to do a few extra sort of you know laps around the block next week around the vegan butter block (laughs) but yeah it is amazing I got that in my local health food uh, shop yeah really good that's the thing as well there's so when with something like butter and milk there's so many different alternatives that it's not that difficult to decide to move to another brand yeah Um, so you know I wonder if they will see the hit from this. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. So on the subject of terms, we're obviously talking about milk and butter. We've got an EU Parliament vote coming up next week. 
deciding whether or not to ban the use of the term veggie sausage and veggie burgers or vegan sausages, vegan burgers. Now, because of Brexit, this might not impact us. Um, It's still unclear, I think. But still, I think, you know, has the world gone mad? I mean, it's just crazy. I, I just do not understand with everything going on with the world at the moment, why anyone would waste any parliament time (laughs) debating whether to change. I mean, the cost of it alone, you know, to change all the packaging, it's just crazy in my eyes. I could not agree more. As soon as I opened the link to read this article, I just thought, have we not got bigger things to worry about? Yeah. Like you say, all that time and money and energy invested into something which really 100% does not matter I know I know I mean it's bizarre yeah it's uh Stephen Fry in January actually tweeted about this um and I know that was sort of circulated in the media um actually I think it was related to milk because you know the dairy industry were kind of um kicking up a bit of a fuss about oat milk or using the term oat milk or um you know rice milk whatever whatever milk Mm. (laughs) you you prefer um and Stephen Fry tweeted that you know peanut butter isn't butter and then some of the comments underneath the tweet said well hot dogs aren't dogs you know language language evolves language develops and you know no one is stupid enough to to look at a veggie burger and think, oh, well, you know, it must be made from meat because it's a burger. And I think if that was the reason, if if the labelling was people were finding it to be misleading, I'd probably be a little bit more behind it. But it's it's the fact that they just don't want to label vegan products with words or terms more closely associated with the the meat industry Mm. um like I said I'm just so shocked that there aren't bigger things to spend time money and energy on and I really don't think in the grand scheme of things any I can't believe anyone will find this something to be that passionate about not wanting to see burger next to a vegetable based product I mean it's incredible that this is even an issue um when I was reading through I certainly agreed with the comment that uh pro veg had made saying that you know calling something a veggie burger or veggie sausage is important to tell the consumer what that product is going to taste like what its texture is going to be like and how it can be used you're buying that on the assumption that you're going to put it in a bun use it for a barbecue in the same way you would a a meat a meat product yeah so there is a certain expectation I think yeah and I think you know with with everything going on with climate change and just we all know we need to reduce our meat intake as a as a species so Mm. why on earth they'd be trying to protect meat industry in the middle of a pandemic and (laughs) that's exactly what my thought what thoughts were I'd argue that the need to encourage people to reduce their meat and dairy intake is far greater than the need to protect the meat products which I feel is what this is doing yeah Um, so I I was shocked that something like this would get as far as it has in 2020, like you say, when it's been 
particularly this year and last year, huge for cultural events that have been as a result of, of climate change. So I'm really surprised. Okay, so let's move on to some uh, positive news now, because uh, I feel like we're having a bit of a, a ranty, <laughs> a ranty session today. Third piece of news that we're going to talk about is that Hillingdon Hospital in London now offer vegan vending machine with hot meals for staff. Um, the the vending machine is run by a company called Vibrant Vegan and um, came about from, I think it was 78% of staff said they would eat vegan meals if they were provided, which is fantastic. They're hoping to install 100 in the next few years in UK hospitals, which is amazing. So yeah, really good news. Fabulous news. I think it's amazing, not just for veganism and to have food like that more accessible, but also that the investment has been made for NHS workers who notoriously work absolutely incredibly long shift constantly on their feet so much is required of them whilst they're at work to be able to offer them a really healthy nourishing fulfilling alternative is excellent and it is exactly where the investment should be going definitely I don't know if you've had any experience of hospital food. I mean, obviously, that's for staff. It would be lovely to see a much better offering for patients as well. Mm. I think, you know, it's it's improved slightly over the last few years. The Vegan Society ran a campaign called Catering for Everyone in 2018, which okay. saw um, UK hospitals um, having to offer vegan options. But I think there is a long way to go, not just with veganism in hospitals, but nutrition when I, I mean, it was eight years ago now, so, you know, quite a while ago, but I had my son and it was just unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I just had a C-section, so I was quite drugged up, um, yeah. not really with it at all. My husband read the menu out to me and I just kind of picked some, I, I was just wanted like hearty, comforting food. So I just kind of chose some some random things. There was no explanation of what the food was. So I went with a gala pie. Um, I wasn't vegan at the time. And um, what arrived was a a pork pie. And I'm talking talking a small, tiny little pork pie. Right. um, Which obviously turns my stomach now to think of eating pork pie. um, With a little plastic sachet of mustard on the side. And that was it, you know, so to be offering, obviously I was... I love how clearly you can remember that eight <laughs> years on. <laughs> well, I had my son on Christmas Day and oh. that was my Boxing Day meal. Bless you. So I remember it very clearly being on my own with a new baby, having to eat this tiny little, oh, <laughs> tiny little gala pie. So much to celebrate about. <laughs> no, not at all. I think... Yeah, in terms of seeing nutrition as a huge part of recovery for the body, no matter what you've gone through, what you're putting into your body after an operation or a hospital stay for any reason surely has got to be such a massive part of your recovery um, that eating what is on offer in hospitals at the moment. It's been a long time since I, ha- I had any time in hospitals, so I'm not sure I have ever experienced 
it enough to comment but you hear obviously that it's not a very balanced meal and I can imagine next to no vegan options so moving towards that's definitely important a if that's your diet you shouldn't have to sacrifice not eating it you know not being able to eat anything just because you don't eat meat or dairy but also you should be putting really healthy things into your body I've actually been watching the uh, a couple of deliciously Ella's stories over the oh. last week or so. So she just had her second baby, right? Baby girl, oh. and um, she's talked a lot about how while she's hibernating in with her newborn in the first week or two, that she's making sure she's putting really nourishing food into her body, and even though she's obviously absolutely shattered as you. with a newborn just taking the time to have a really loaded smoothie or soups or bitter bowls stews to pack her body full of goodness is so important so yeah definitely the same should apply when you're in hospital yeah I think um, the NHS and hospitals in general I think have a long way to go when it comes to sort of um, educating and and, you know sharing that education on Mm. nutrition I think doctors only have I think I read it was about eight hours training throughout their four years on nutrition, Mm -hmm. which in this day and age is just crazy. We know that, you know, food is medicine. There's there's nothing more nourishing for your body than than, you know, plants. So, yeah, it's. um, Well, I think it's a great place to start to give those NHS and key workers the opportunity to eat something really nourishing because you know hopefully for you and I and the average person a hospital stay is quite rare and is usually quite a short amount of time whereas those workers are in the hospital for minimum 12 hours a day so really important to give them a really nourishing option for lunch and certainly if 78% of workers said they would eat a vegan meal if it was available the demand is there so yeah yeah, great to see that roll out across more and more hospitals over the next year or so yeah certainly good news thanks Gabriella I hope you have an amazing birthday tomorrow thank you so much so kind of you and (laughs) I will see you next week an entire decade older (laughs) (laughs) Next up, I speak to vegan influencers Roxy and Ben from So Vegan. Hi, Roxy and Ben, how are you? Very good, thank you. Very well, thanks for having us. Good, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. So this is our second podcast episode that we've, um, we're running um, so we're really excited to see you. So I think the last time I saw you was, was it at the Evolution? Was that this year or last year? Yeah, I think maybe the Evolution wow. Christmas, December 2019. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> one in January or February. Yeah, yeah so Christmas. So much has happened since then, not just with, you know, the world, <laughs> but with you guys as well. So, yeah, it's been a crazy year, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, it's been pretty intense. So should we start at the beginning and find out how you guys met? Yeah. So we actually <laughs> met at university, but we didn't officially meet until we left university. So um, I studied sound engineering and Ben made friends with loads of my 
friends on my course. So he kind of was hanging around with them a lot. So I saw Ben around quite a bit, but um, never really spoke to him. But I always had my cheeky eye on him and I was like, oh, that guy looks nice. Never picked up the courage to talk to him. I had a boyfriend at the time. You had a long-term girlfriend. And then once we left university, we kind of both broke up with our respective partners and everyone kind of moved to London. It was like really fun and exciting. So we all started hanging out and going out together and we kind of got to know each other then. And the rest is kind of history. That was nine, nine years ago now. Nine years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> a long time. That is such a lovely story. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the bit where I stalk Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you both vegan at the time when you met? No. So um, we've always had a passion for food. Like Roxy, we, like, we've both been like really passionate home cooks. Like, even when we first met, I remember like we'd go on dates to restaurants and me personally, I'd be like obsessing over the food, like really, you know, dissecting it and rating it out of 10. I just and... say, he's like the most annoying person to go for dinner with. He'll be like, oh, what do you think of this? Out of 10, give, give me a mark out of 10. Oh, I'm not sure about this. And I was like, oh my God, literally, can we just enjoy the meal, please? But it's kind of, I've adapted that kind of rating scale now and we'll all be like, yeah. out of 10, what is it? What about the t- flavour? Um, so I've kind of adap- adapted your little scale of yeah. rating. Um, so like we've always cooked at home and... I think it must have been about, how long ago was it now? Maybe four or five years ago. Coming up to five, yeah. Coming up to five years ago. We both um, were, like, speaking to a lot of friends. We were watching a lot of documentaries, reading a lot of articles, and we kind of both had a conversation with each other. With each other. We decided that, obviously, switching our diet could be a you know profoundly positive way of having a positive impact on the planet. So uh, we both did it together. And I think because we've always been obsessed with food, we kind of found the challenge quite um, exciting. And yeah, the rest is history, really. Um, I think the fact that we do this together, the fact that we run So Vegan as a couple, like we're both behind it, I think is just, it makes it a lot easier and it makes kind of the vegan journey a lot more uh, rewarding, I think, to a certain extent, because there's always somebody to talk to about it. Um, so yeah, so that was about five years ago when we kind of uh, started our vegan journey. So it must be so nice sort of being able to cook together and sort of bounce ideas off each other. Um... Yeah, it's also moral support at the beginning when you're first going out, first starting out as, you know, I want to try this vegan diet. Um, and at the beginning, it can obviously feel quite daunting and a bit like, oh, I just, I'm just craving something. But you've got someone there by your side being like, no, come on, you can do this. Yeah. Get through those cravings. But to be honest, I think what we also found is that we were also being relatively critical with each other. So, for example, I think I was putting a lot of expectation on you when yeah. you would maybe slip up and have a sort of egg sandwich or something. I'd be like, how dare you? Ben was very militant at the beginning. But then, no, but then, like, vice versa. I mean, I remember I had, like, like maybe two months in, I think I had, like, a treat, so sausage or yeah. something, and you were like... But it wasn't necessarily critical. maybe not the right way of saying it, but I think it was relatively useful, I think, having each other there to kind of say... Like, don't forget, you know, we're both in this together. Like, we're both, we started this journey for a reason. And I think as part of So Vegan, we're very, I think, um, quite, what's the word? Down to work, but quite um, encouraging of people to kind of take step to a vegan journey quite slowly. So I think with us, it was quite interesting that we were, like, going through that journey together, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, well, some people can go vegan overnight and people maybe beat themselves up that they can't but it's, you know, their taste buds are taking longer to change. And we're definitely in the cabinet. It took us 
good few months to like mm. fully be like, okay, we can do this now. We've all prepared. We've got enough knowledge of food and our taste buds have changed. We're not craving things. And then we haven't really looked back since then. Yeah. I think that's what I love about you guys. You are so down to earth and approachable and you're not kind of militant. Oh my God, you know, you mustn't ever eat this again. I think that is the way to be, isn't it? Just encourage people to do it at their own pace. And, you know, if they need to keep dairy in their diet for a bit or do it slowly, then, um, then that's the way to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, because I think it's relatively, it's a natural instinct to get quite defensive about something. So for example, if you've been eating meat your entire life, you know, like for us, you know, we've been eating meat and dairy for 26, 27, 28 years, however long it was until we decided to switch to a vegan diet. So I think for somebody to kind of tell us you have to go vegan, I think it's such a sort of huge behavioral change. I think I kind, of, I kind of sympathise with people who kind of react a bit, kind of standoffish about it. And I think because of that, because I sympathise with that position, I think that's why I try to maybe set an example as opposed to kind of enforcing something. So like there's an amazing term about, you know, being a, walk, uh, sorry, a walking billboard and, you know, you know, set the example, show people that you know, a vegan lifestyle can be, you know, um, incredibly healthy. It can be incredibly fun. You know, there's some fantastic you know, places you can go out and eat nowadays. There's some fantastic resources online that you can educate yourself about when it comes to uh, living a vegan lifestyle. And I think if you can, you know, be that uh, walking billboard, I think um, I I just feel as though it it rubs off a lot better. And we've seen that with close friends and family. For instance, Ben's dad, who was like an avid meat eater, we didn't push veganism on him at all. We were just like, oh, do you want to come in for dinner? He came to some of our talks, our cooking demos, and literally he is super vegan now. Wow. <laughs> um, re- researches so much comes in to our flat and is talking about this new vegan thing and we're like whoa um, and he loves it and I've seen that with my mum and a lot of our friends now uh, kind of dabble with veganism um, so I think by us kind of rather than saying be vegan we're just kind of you know showing them with food how amazing it can be and like with what we do um, we think that that kind of works wonders as well yeah, definitely the way to go so what point did you set up So Vegan then? How did that come about? It was quite soon after we turned vegan. I think because we were like, let's go vegan. And then we started experimenting at home because we were passionate home cooks already. So we started cooking at home a lot and really experimenting with different flavours, different textures. And we, we loved cooking before, but this felt like a whole new world of, wow, I'm really exploring flavour and using like crazy things like cashews to make cheese sauce. So we immediately felt quite passionate about what we were doing. Yeah. and um we were just thinking how can we share this with the world this newfound passion and we'd worked on projects together in the past so we did a we both worked in music before so we'd worked on like music videos like amateur style music videos and um, so we all knew that we could work together well and Ben kind of came home from work one day and was like let's create videos of the recipes we're creating because on our Facebook feeds, there were these top-down meaty videos that like Tasty and Proper Tasty were creating. There was nothing catering to a vegan market. And we thought, you know, we've got cameras at home. We're passionate home cooks. We can obviously do this quite naively, having never written a recipe or never shot a, a recipe or, you know, never taken any still photography. So we kind of just jumped into into the deep end. And so Vegan was born. Since then, you've grown a, a massive following. What tips do you have for other people that might want to kind of do something similar to inspire other people to go vegan? I think um, for us, what's really worked is 
our passion for vegan food is about making it as simple as possible. So we're just everyday cooks. We love, you know, getting in the kitchen. And if we've been working flat out all day, I just want to cook a 15 minute meal that I can, you know, rustle up really quickly using ingredients I can find in my fridge. I don't have to go out to the supermarket. And I think that philosophy has really rubbed off onto, you know, the community that we've now created. And I think as a result of that, people um, just find our recipes a lot more kind of engaging, a lot more rewarding, I think, to that extent, because I think that's what the vast majority of people want to do. Like most people, you know, they work really hard, they get home from work or they've been working from home all day. um, And you don't necessarily want to spend hours in the kitchen. So I think our sort of key to success really has just been really simplifying the food that we create. And it really kind of represents what we want to do as well. Like this is, is this is just the way we cook anyway. So I think our, our sort of top tip really would be, I think if you go down this uh, sort of creating simple food route, it's just trying to find something that resonates with people mm. that, you know, these are recipes that people want to cook at home. They're simple, they're one pots, they're low ingredients, etc. Um, and I think that's really helped us. Yeah, I think ultimately to grow a following on, online, you need to provide something that people want to see or want to engage with. So it's kind of, it's a lot harder than it sounds. Just, you know, just do something that people want to see. Um, but ultimately that's what you need to do. What do people want to see? What are you passionate about? And what can you be the best at creating? Yeah, I think what really worked for us as well is we were quite savvy might be the right word in terms of looking at what performs well on social media so I think if you're if there are any bloggers out there if there are any kind of content creators who want to you know grow on social media I think the key thing to do the first thing to do really is to try to look into what formats and what content is currently doing well and the thing there is social media is constantly changing so if you look across Facebook YouTube Instagram TikTok for example I think if you spend not a huge amount of time, just some time looking into those platforms and trying to work out what trends are emerging and what style of videos or what style of content people are creating that is doing well, and then try and bring your own kind of signature, kind of unique way of doing it. Uh, doing it. And in our case, it was food, it was overhead uh, videos. And I think from there, that's where we kind of established our platform. And since then, we've had to adapt and kind of try to keep an eye on the trends and try to evolve the way that we create content to make sure that it's still kind of relevant, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think often it appears quite easy, doesn't it? Kind of, you know, growing a big following on Instagram, but it's really, it's really not. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. <laughs> a lot harder. Yeah. I think as well for us, we were not necessarily kind of front and center of So Vegan at the start. So we were quite, you know, we create recipes, we create videos, we put them out, on social media but I think one thing we realize and it's quite common across people who are now popular on social media is the more you're yourself the more you're authentic the more you get behind something and show that you know there are people behind this you know and we kind of try to show the ups and downs so if a recipe goes well or if it goes really badly we'll story it and I mean remember one time Roxy opened um what was it? Oh, the Nutribullet. The Nutribullet. And oh, no. I don't know what happened, but basically some blueberry juice just exploded all over the ceiling. <laughs> it's literally stained the steep ceiling It's completely, exactly. Um, but also in terms of like like baking, like, I mean, you know, I forget, I've lost count of the amount of cakes we baked, but every now and then we'll create something and it'll completely fail. So I think it's just important for us to really get that message across. And that's kind of 
it, again, again, it just shows the human element behind something. And I think, yeah. per, speaking personally, I tend to get a little bit tired of seeing or following brands that have no kind of kind of human element behind it because it just feels a bit baseless in that sense. So I think it's important. To, uh, and that's not to say that you have to come out bubbly all the time and, you know, overexcited about things. It's just more a case of just trying to be yourself and, and getting that across. So you've got lots of big news this year. Um, should we start with the book first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you kindly sent me this week. Thank you so much. I absolutely love it. Oh, oh thank you. Glad it arrived on time. Tried the um, chicken supreme with the oyster. Oh, wow. Oh, amazing. Oh, my God. So good. <laughs> I really am. Glad you liked it. Thank you. Yeah, so One Pot Vegan is our second cookbook. It came out in, uh, when did it come out? July. July. Um, and, yeah, it's, we're incredibly proud of it. I think what's, what we're particularly proud of is it really embodies our philosophy when it comes to really simplifying and making vegan food accessible so obviously our first book uh, was a five ingredient cookbook and I think we've tried to really continue that philosophy into one pot vegan by making you know all the recipes um, uh, one pot so we're talking one tray one pan one tin and um, yeah it's just an extension of what we try to do every day with so vegan which is making vegan food as accessible as possible because for us that's what this is all about obviously we love getting up every day, cooking recipes, spending time in the kitchen, but there is this kind of more grand, I guess, more more wider picture for us, which is just trying to encourage more people to kind of start ditching meat and dairy and start using vegan food as an alternative. And I think for us, the simplicity is key to that. It's just getting more people in the kitchen, enjoying cooking. Um, and that's what Bumpot Vegan is all about. Because we see and hear a lot of people saying to us still, you know, veganism is expensive, it's difficult it's time consuming to create recipes. So that's kind of been our mission the whole time. It's like, how can we create content and books that make it easy for people? So we don't hear that anymore. So that was So Vegan and Five, the five ingredient cookbook we created solely to be like, hey, it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to have a list of ingredients. It's literally five ingredients and you can make something really tasty. And then like Ben said, One Pot Vegan was the next step in that. We kind of got our heads together and said, how can we make veganism, a vegan diet even easier for people? And we thought, one pot cooking it's perfect it's just less washing up throw everything in a pot and we have a um a rule that if you we can't find an ingredient in a supermarket we won't include it in a recipe so that's kind of our benchmark so everything you find in the ingredients you should be able to get from your local supermarket as well yeah it's a real sort of chuck it all in the pan get it and just tuck in and enjoy it and i think it's especially nice sort of going into autumn, like those really hearty dishes. Mm, yeah, definitely. definitely. I think as well, what I've realised is we never make it easy for ourselves, ironically, yeah. because obviously the first book, Five Ingredient, and it, it was really challenging. It was. Especially, like, I think we got maybe 90 recipes in and we had maybe 10, 15 more to do. And, um, but, you know, we were determined, obviously, to get as many fantastic recipes in as possible. And then obviously with One Pot Vegan, I think what was really interesting is we had to really think outside the box in terms of the more conventional ways of cooking. So we've got a recipe for like a sweet and sour jackfruit kind of tray bake. And obviously traditionally you'd make rice in a pot. You would then maybe fry the jackfruit, add the sweet and sour ingredients. Whereas obviously for us, we need to cook everything in one tray. 
So we essentially, we roast the jackfruit, we add the sort of sauce ingredients, the pineapple, but then we also add the rice to the tray as well. Then we cover, or we add the water, cover the tray, and then we basically kind of steam roasts the uh, rice. And what you get as a result of that is a sort of slightly crispy rice, which is fully cooked alongside a really roasted jackfruit. And it's a completely different way of cooking. And I think maybe years ago, we wouldn't have necessarily had the confidence to really kind of try to rewrite the traditional rules of cooking. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of people say, you know, that's not how you cook rice, how dare you. But I think that's what's so fantastic about a lot of vegan food is that you've, it's becoming a lot easier now, but I think you generally have to think quite creatively about how you do things. So like the chicken supreme, for example, we essentially use oyster mushrooms as a sort of chicken replacement. Um, But then we use like the chicken seasoning and, and then we cook the thing down in a sort of like, roux sauce so again it's just about trying to think outside the box and do things you know innovatively and inventively and I think again that's just why we're so proud of the book because you'll see loads of recipes in there that you just won't see in other cookbooks especially in the way they're they're actually like cooked in in one tray one pot etc. And that's the thing because as much as we say we want to make food simple we create simple recipes we do try and be inventive with what we're doing so you're not just rehashing like the same recipes um, so we're always trying to push the boundaries and do things a little bit differently, like switch up the methods, make them easier. How can we, we're always thinking, how can we cut corners or do something a bit unconventional that's going to make it even easier? And I think anything that cuts down on washing up is, you know, is a winner. I know. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah right. I agree. It's probably good for the environment as well, I guess. You know, less dishes to wash. Yeah. Definitely. So. Definitely. <laughs> also less energy being used cooking, putting everything in one pot or tray rather than, you know, having two hops on the go at one time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So if, if listeners haven't got the book yet, they should definitely go and grab a copy. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so shall we go on to the other big news? Um, obviously people following you on social media might know already so well first of all you got a puppy didn't you this year am I right yeah it was a rescue yeah yeah bento yeah yeah so um he uh, bento's from a rescue center in wales called mini tears rescue right um so neither of us grew up with uh, dogs did you no so my mum and stepdad had a dog when I was like 2021. 20, so I was kind of coming back from university and then hanging out with the dog. Um, but I was never a massive dog mm. person to be honest either. But there's a website called Borrow My Doggy. Yeah. Where people that are busy post up their dog and say, can you look after him weekday? So we did that for about six months and we fell in love with this one dog called Tonks. And Sarah's a, his owner is a good friend of ours now um, through Borrow My Doggy. And I was just like, he's so amazing. He brings so much joy to our lives. Um, I feel like our lives were generally quite boring. We just like work and just, literally <laughs> just working constantly all weekend. And then um, we fell in love with him so much. I just really got into my head that we should try and rescue a dog. Um, so I just kind of obsessively pursued rescuing a dog, much to Ben's <laughs> shock at first. But he managed to come round to the idea and this little bento dog kept coming up on Many Tears Rescue and I was like, Bento looks perfect. We read his description of his personality and I was like, he sounds just like us. He was, he's quite shy. He was like the shy one of the litter, um, but had confidence. It would come up to people, but he'd just like wait in the background. And I was like, Ben, he sounds perfect for us, for our <laughs> lifestyle. Um, and, but he got adopted and I was like, oh, he's, he's been adopted now. 
let's forget about it for a bit. But then a week later, he came back on the website and I called them and they said, oh, his adoptive mother who was meant to come didn't come and pick him up. And I suddenly was like, this is our moment. This is like, this is meant to be, it's Bento. And um, yeah, they came around, did a house check and it was all perfect. They were like, you can adopt him if you want. And we drove to Wales for about four hours. A week before our book was due, One Pot Vegan, before the manuscript. I was like, this is a really bad idea, but a really good idea at the same time. So we drove to Wales, picked him up and drove him back. And yeah, he's, he's amazing. Mm. He's a gorgeous puppy. So um, what about the, the other family member that, that's, <laughs> that's growing slowly? <laughs> um, yeah, it's cooking along nicely. Um, I feel like it's starting to feel very real. It's all happening almost a bit like a bit overwhelming. I think we've yeah. been getting our kitchen done, which I always think sounds really simple. Oh, we're just changing the worktop. But literally the whole kitchen has just been turned upside down. We didn't have a hob or an oven or a sink for a week. And we've had loads of work to do. So we've been next door cooking and like ferrying ingredients and washing up piles and piles of washing up. Um, so that kind of combined with the fact that I'm kind of edging to the third trimester, I'm a bit like, oh gosh, it feels really real. Um, but I'm sure once the kitchen's done, I'll yeah. calm down a bit. But I'm just going through a little phase of it's feeling very overwhelming. So exciting. So are you due around Christmas? Uh, Mid-January, so uh, just after. So we'll have a quiet Christmas and then, yeah, it'll uh, be all changed. Yeah. Yeah, I must say I was due on the 5th of January and I had a little boy on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. <laughs> so not, not oh, this wow. year, this was sort of, you know, eight years ago. But um, yeah, you never know. It could be a Christmas yeah. day yeah, I know. for a whole world of pain forever. Start eating loads of curry at Christmas to try and get it, yeah. get it out. Uh, oh, good luck. I hope it all goes well. Cause, um, thank you. Well, thank you. for you. So are you, you sort of, you're still going to keep going with So Vegan when the, when the baby arrives? And- 100%, yeah. Um, we've got no plans to slow anything down. If anything, we want to ramp it up and be like, you know, we're just excited to get more recipes in front of people, build So Vegan, build the next thing. Um, yeah, we're excited. So what plans, do you have any plans for So Vegan in the next year? Or are you just kind of thinking, let's just get the kitchen and the baby out of the way and then we'll, <laughs> then we'll plan <laughs> yeah. the next year? Those are the two priorities. Yeah, yeah. We have, we've always got plans. Baby, then kitchen, to be honest. <laughs> just, just to be clear. Yeah. Well, this week, kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, to be honest, when we started So Vegan, we, um, it was like a hobby or something. Obviously, we were getting such sort of a reward from it, like growing from 5,000 to 10,000 to 15,000 followers. And it continued to be a hobby for a while until I think we started, you know, getting to like close to a million on Facebook, for example. And obviously we got our first cookbook deal and that's when really things started taking off and that's when it started becoming a full-time job for us. And ever since then, we've always had the ambition to really take it as far as we can go. So we've got, you know, big ambition to do more things, more than just cookbooks, more than just recipes online. We can't really reveal too much at the moment, but we've got things kind of cooking away in the background. And hopefully, you know, next year will be, you know, really exciting for us, not just having an extra family member, uh, but yeah, just really trying to take So Vegan to its next chapter, I think, because it's such an exciting time for veganism. It's, I think what's really interesting is every year, I hear people say, oh, this is the year for veganism. And then the next year comes and literally people say the exact same thing. 
So I think that whole concept of it being a trend is kind of slowly dying away. And it's now, and it has been for a while, to be honest, like, you know, it's not something we can sort of take ownership of or, or even want to. I think like, you know, there've been like veganism as a sort of lifestyle has existed for so long and there've been people kind of fighting for it for so long. And I think it's just, we just see it in a really exciting way that it's now getting the recognition it deserves yeah. from a more mainstream audience. And so for us, it just means that with our massive global platform, I think there are big opportunities where we can do things that really bring our global following together. So we're really lucky to have people following us from you know, Mexico, from Australia, from all over Europe. And I think for us, we want to do things that can really bring that community together, whether it's like, well, I can't reveal anything, but, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, yeah. So lots, lots, of the, uh, lots, lots of things planned. Well, we'll have to watch this space. We can't wait to see what you do. Next. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank and you for having, having us. Good luck with everything. We'll see you soon. Well, that's a wrap for episode two of the Simply Vegan podcast. Join me at the same time next week when I'll be speaking to Nikki Webster from Rebel Recipes. In the meantime, don't forget to visit veganfoodandliving.com for all the latest vegan news. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.